You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Dogman of Alice Ranch. From Kinda Delirious. This happened when I was about 11 years old. My dad took me and my younger brother to hunt and camp in Texas. He picked us up from my mom's house around 10 p.m. It took us about two and a half hours to get to the ranch. Our grandpa and my older brother were already waiting for us by our grandpa's tent. The next couple of days went over well. One day, our dad woke us up at around five in the morning to get us ready for some deer hunting. He'd walked us to one of the blinds and left me and my little brother at one while he took my older brother with him to another spot a good mile or so from ours. Our grandpa had his blind away from me and my younger brother's blind to make sure we didn't do anything stupid, as kids sometimes do. A few hours went by. My little brother eventually just fell asleep. I was up, looking at the feeders. Around 8 a.m., I saw a ten-point buck emerge from the brush. I nudged my brother awake. Slowly, he woke up. I saw his face light up with joy. He reached immediately for my rifle, but I carefully pushed his hand away. He whispered, What are you doing? We have a straight shot. I pointed back to the feeder. There were two does near the buck. My little brother slumped down in his chair, tears in his eyes. Looking at him, I sighed and reached for my rifle even though my father had told me not to waste a shot unless you have a clear one. Despite these does being in the way, it sort of broke my heart seeing my little brother sad like that. So I ignored the rule, steadied my rifle, and made sure I was sighted in. A couple of minutes passed by, but it felt like forever before I was finally able to take a shot. It landed right on the buck's shoulder. My little brother had been watching the whole thing. He was so excited. We were ready then to step out of the blind. But when we did, I heard a rustling in front of us. Even though I'd already landed a buck, I got excited at the thought of landing another. Being the overconfident kid I was, I took my aim and held my breath. Then I peered into the scope to take a look. That was the worst thing I could ever do. At the same time, my brother grabbed a flashlight and shone it out into the dark. The beam landed right on that thing. This beast had the head of a German shepherd, but it had the body of a bodybuilder. Right away when the beam hit it, it snapped its head in our direction. I thought it was just a weird and big dog. Then it ran straight at our blind. I heard a loud thud against the walls. Fear had set in with my little brother and me. Then what I feared most had come true. I looked up at the blind's window. There it was. That thing. It had black fur covering its upper body. Its lips curled back, bearing yellowish canine teeth some of which were covered in a deep red substance. The loud footsteps circled us faster and faster. Then, out of nowhere, they stopped. I wondered how long that would last. The door handle shook violently then. That creature was trying to open the blind. I aimed my rifle at the door, using one hand to place my brother behind me. As the door pried open, I saw that it was just my grandpa. He'd heard my little brother screaming. With rifle in hand, he had left his blind to see what was going on. He took us and ran with us to our father's blind. He told my dad that my little brother had screamed. After asking what happened, my little brother just muttered, Wolf. We went back to camp. That night was worse to come. Around 3 a.m., I woke up to the sound of a loud and menacing howl. I stood from my sleeping bag and peered outside. 
I saw the outline of a humanoid thing at the tree line. I ducked back into my sleeping bag, crying, telling myself it wasn't real, it was just a dream. How wrong I was. I heard loud and quick footsteps running straight towards the tent. I gathered the courage to look up, to take a peek at the thin tent window. That thing's hands, yes, human-like hands, ending in long black claws and red piercing eyes, sat right at the window. It was there, just peering down at me. Eventually, it walked back into the woods. The following day, I went to the blind again with my dad and older brother. This time, my little brother went with my grandpa. We never got the buck I'd shot, so we were going back for it now. Well, when we found it, it had already been decimated. Its stomach had been ripped open, legs torn up and twisted, antlers almost completely chewed through. After that day, I never went camping or hunting there again. My Girlfriend's Strange Creature Encounter in Cape May From Sneeves0426 This story is from my girlfriend's perspective. She still to this day has no idea what she encountered. It happened to me back in 2018. I arrived in this small rural town near Cape May. The company I was working for at the time was sending me to go door to door advertising cable and Wi-Fi that they wanted me to sell. I was getting weird vibes all throughout the day, as the town itself was very small and a bit creepy, with people staring at me or giving me the cold shoulder for the entire day. It seemed like a lot of the townsfolk that I encountered that day were on edge, and it was a weird, tense atmosphere that I shrugged off, as people are weird all the time. I continued doing my job, chugging a Red Bull to keep me going, which didn't affect me at all, surprisingly. Besides the weird atmosphere, the scenery was actually quite pretty once you got off the main road. I had to stop at different streets and somewhere in the woods on long and seemingly beautiful endless roads. It was quite scenic. Just before sunset, I was scheduled to visit a few houses on a small peninsula. To get to this peninsula, you had to go down a very long road, past a summer camp area, past a trailer park, past the woods, and then you finally find yourself in a small open area with a bay marsh, a couple small expensive houses, and shore access. The houses were so close to the water it seemed to be a code violation, but I'm sure they were built to withstand storms since they did look so expensive. Every house had its own theme, and the area was mostly deserted. Only one house had someone inside at the time, whom I had talked to after knocking on his door. I was so distracted looking at the houses and scenery that I didn't notice how fast sunset was approaching. I came to the realization that I should start heading back then to avoid being alone on that long deserted pathway in the woods. As a smaller female, I'm never comfortable after dark in isolated places, especially without cell service. I was making my way down the path, so far so good, as it wasn't completely dark yet. As I approached the wooded area of the road, I was walking a bit faster, as there were no streetlights and the sunlight was rapidly disappearing. As I walked at a decently fast pace, I noticed something. The woods were eerily quiet. All the life that I was hearing before was gone. Crickets, birds, no, just pure silence. I stopped in my tracks and I got chills down my spine as I felt the feeling that I was being watched. I looked around the dark woods for any sudden movements. Then, like clockwork, something up ahead made its way out of the tree line. It looked to be some type of large animal. My brain went into overdrive analyzing whatever this animal was. Was it a bear? A dog? No, it looked too large to be a dog. Though I was intimidated by its large size, whatever it was had not noticed me yet. Even though I was scared, I also didn't want to walk back and go into that one man's house. As a woman, I'd rather take my chances with a wild animal than be alone with a man I didn't know in a deserted holiday neighborhood. Suddenly, as I was thinking this, the large animal in the distance had finally noticed my presence. It was observing me, not entirely sure of what to do with me. 
There wasn't enough light anymore for me to see the animal's face, but I felt unusually frightened. Whatever I was looking at was definitely too big to even be a black bear. I mean, its shoulder height on all fours was about five feet or more, which is more comparable to the size of a brown bear. The mass on this creature was extensive, as the outline of what I could see looked more like a wolf on steroids. It was extremely muscular. I also noticed the outline of its face was very similar to that of a German shepherd or a wolf. It had those pointed perked ears and a long snout. In the heat of the moment, I could only hear the sound of my heart palpitating as fear and adrenaline started to crawl its way into my bloodstream. It felt as if time stood still. Then, it dawned on me. What I was looking at was not a normal animal. It simply was too big to be any animal that I could recognize from New Jersey's catalog of fauna. And if it wanted to attack me, I would be powerless against it. It was just too big. Though to calm myself down, I threw out the idea that this creature was out of the ordinary. I felt like this could be rationalized somehow. I made my brain go back to the idea of this being maybe a large dog or coyote. I did not believe in cryptids, and I was completely unaware at the time of what size coyotes were supposed to be, so I made a quick decision. Realizing that this could very well be a life-or-death situation, I came to the conclusion that this very large dog-like creature was probably a skittish coyote that I could scare off, at least temporarily, to calm down my nerves. What other choice did I have? The longer I kept standing there, the more aggressive I might come off to this animal, and I didn't want it to get territorial or get the idea that I was easy prey. So I decided I would make the most hideous, loud, confusing, and startling scream slash howl I could muster and just sprint the rest of the way. After I screeched this hideous sound out of my body as hard as I could, the animal quickly changed its body language to defensive. But then it quickly changed its mind to deciding it wasn't worth a fight. It ran a distance away into the woods, not too far though. I started to sprint as fast as I could past that area and beyond. I sprinted until I reached the end of the road and noticed there was a summer camp area with streetlights near me. I rested on top of a table there, out of breath and feeling my heart pounding out of my chest. However, I was still very shaken up. I still felt like I was being watched. I kept my eyes on the tree line. My eyes were darting around looking for any sign this animal was still there. Once I felt that the coast was clear, I located the next house I was scheduled to visit and I quickly made my way over. There I met a nice family who ended up buying cable from me and I told them what had happened to me that night and how I was treated by the locals. The lady of the family, who I presume to be the mother, said, I don't know why they sent you out here alone. These woods are dangerous after dark and there are creepy people who live around here. The impression she gave me was that there were animal encounters she could not explain and that there were lots of ex-convicts in the area as well as people who should have been arrested and haven't been. She was as equally concerned about the people as she was the animals around the place. This gave me goosebumps. How many times today could my life have been taken? They were extremely concerned for my safety and told me to contact my team leader so I could get picked up. They said they didn't want me to go outside again and that I should call it quits for the night and to not visit any other houses. To this day, I still have no idea what creature I encountered. There are strange things in the woods, things people don't speak about, things they might even be covering up. To me, it felt as if the townsfolk of that town knew something about what I encountered. So weird creature I encountered in those woods, let's never meet again. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer, Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. 
Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Werewolf Attack from Jay Xune. I'm not even sure where to start with this. It pains me to even think about it, because it only happened a week ago. But I'll do my best. You can call me Jay. I'm a 21-year-old guy, and last week I decided to take the trip from LA to my boyfriend's house in Wyoming. We were finally moving in together, so we needed to get the final things from his parents' house back to our new one in LA. It was around a 15-hour trip there and a 15-hour trip back. So I stopped along the way in Utah for a day. After all, my friend lives there. I had no issues for most of the journey until I stupidly decided I'd drive the last eight hours straight during the night. I was about an hour outside of Salt Lake City. It was around 1 a.m. I was driving through a forested road when it happened. There was a decapitated deer in the road, which made me bring my car to a stop. It was right slap bang in the middle blocking me from getting by as the road was narrow. My entire surroundings were pitch black, with my headlights being the only source of light, except for the moon. The moon might have been full at the time, I really can't remember well, as it didn't even cross my mind to check at the moment. I had to do something, so I tried calling my boyfriend first, but the signal kept getting dropped. We weren't able to talk for long, but he told me to just drive over it, as getting out wasn't worth the risk of the predator still being around. I still wish I'd just listened to him. Instead, I got out of my car and headed toward the deer. Whilst I was making my way over, the crickets around me slowly went silent. Soon the only sound I could hear was my car engine, which really made me feel unsettled. I just wanted to get out of there. So I took hold of the deer's legs and I started to drag it out of the way into the shrubbery on the side. I was not about to touch the head. It was what happened then that shook me to my core. When I'd finished dealing with the deer's body, I wiped my hands clean on my shirt and looked up at my car. Sure enough, there it was, right next to my open car door. It was seven to eight feet tall, covered in dark hair, standing on two feet. Its eyes were like yours or mine but bloodshot, and I mean extremely bloodshot. Its pupils were a kind of yellowish-orange, and one of its hands was clenching my car door. I can still see those thick, long claws scraping into the glass window. It was looking right into my soul, panting and frowning like it was full of rage at me, so much so that its mouth was opening slowly, revealing long, canine teeth. I froze there, like a deer in the headlights, Pretty ironic considering the headlights were on me now. I didn't know what to do, but I slowly took a step back. As I did that, it took a step towards me. Its legs were jointed like a dog's. This creature didn't even look like a standard werewolf that you would see in a movie. More like a wolfman or a dogman. It didn't have any clothes, but it did have a few pieces of shirt over its torso. It was unlike anything I could have ever imagined. At this point, I was panicking. I genuinely thought I was going to die that night, alone and afraid. 
When I took one last step back, it charged at me with the most deafening roar I've ever heard. So much adrenaline was running through me that I swerved when it was about one foot away from me. It then tried to swipe at me with its claws. It missed, giving me the opportunity to run back to my car. I ran back in, stepping on that pedal faster and harder than I ever had. I had to pass it as it was now back where I'd found the deer, but this thing I didn't care about hitting it. I wanted to get away. The beast lunged at my car as I passed by, which caused the whole car to shake, but now I was already ramping up speed. After 20 minutes of going way faster down that road than I should have been, I was clear and back on the freeway. At that point, I felt safe, and I called my boyfriend. I was frantic and could barely speak a word. He was just as upset as I was after hearing about it. I called the police after that. They said they'd send a few rangers down that road to investigate. They even said that they'd had a few reports from other people passing through that very same road the very same night. I didn't hear anything back after that. I've always been a fan of horror, but I never even considered anything like that to be real. I don't even know if I still believe it was real. I sit up at night trying to come up with any other reasonable explanation for it. I've written this just to be heard by someone aside from my boyfriend. No one else knows or believes what I saw was real. I wish they were right. I hope they were right. The only thing I know is that if I hadn't swerved out of the way, I probably wouldn't be here to write this today. Dogman Encounter from When Ghost Come Out This story isn't my own experience, but it's from a woman in Michigan, just up north from the Montcalm County area. It happened in a cabin in the woods. I never knew the lady. In fact, I heard this story from my dad, and my dad had read it from a newspaper. This woman lived in a cabin in the woods. One dark night, she started to hear sniffing coming from the window and front door. She was confused to what it could have been. She opened the window and looked around outside. What she found horrified her. A dog-like face was staring right back at her through the window that she had just opened. She freaks out, runs away, and grabs a gun. She began to hear this thing clawing and scratching at her door. It was loud and furious. She fires a gunshot through her roof to scare it away, and luckily for her, it seemed to work. The thing was no longer there, and the scratching noises stopped. She called the cops soon after. When they arrived, there was no dogman outside, but there was a hole in her roof, and what's more concerning and scary was the fact that they also found huge and unnatural scratch marks going all the way down her front door on the outside. Not only that, but there were dozens of other claw marks. The officers had never seen anything like it. The woman explained everything that had happened, the sounds of the claws, the dog face in the window, the sniffing around the door. They were shocked. The cops agreed that no human could ever do anything like that to a door. Soon enough, it was reported on the local newspapers around Michigan. Who knows, maybe there is a dogman out there hiding in the woods. The Friendly Dogman from Bandogora. The following is a story told to me by my cousin, an honest guy who has never lied to me, at least as far as I know, and who used to deny the existence of such creatures. This story will be told from his perspective. Before we begin though, I need to mention a few things. My cousin's a pretty big guy, standing around two meters. His height, coupled with his expertise in karate, have earned him his second blue belt not long before this happened. He's much more of a fight than a flight kind of guy. He also doesn't live in the US. He lives in Europe, specifically Germany. So consider this a translation of the story he told me. So keep in mind if he mentioned something in meters to me, I converted that to feet in the story. And lastly, there actually aren't any tales about dogmen in our country, only werewolves. But from what he told me, there was no full moon present, so it couldn't have been a werewolf. Now without further ado, here's the story. Me and two of my friends decided to go camping at the forest area near our town, after spending so much time indoors due to you-know-what. We met at my house as it was the closest to the road leading to the forest. 
Once there, we loaded our camping equipment into the car of one of my friends. We would be camping that night, and the sun was already setting. However, it was later than planned because one of my friends had to work an extra hour. There wasn't much sunlight left when we arrived. We got to work quickly, setting everything up. While my friends unloaded the car and set up the tents, I was out collecting firewood. I was at it for about half an hour. I'd gone deeper into the woods when, suddenly, I heard some heavy footsteps, along with a wolf-like growl behind me. This was definitely odd, since wolves haven't been native to this forest for centuries, having been wiped out by farmers to protect their livestock. I put down my wood I'd gathered, and I began to turn around, slowly. What I saw next, I'll never forget. Standing several feet away from me, on its hind legs, was a large creature covered in dark gray fur. It had a wolf-like face and piercing yellow eyes. It was nearly eight feet tall. I had to look up at it, but what somehow shocked me even more than the creature itself was what it was carrying in its long arms. It was a young girl. I couldn't tell whether she was still breathing or not, but I also couldn't make out any blood or wounds. While I stared at the girl, the creature took another step towards me. Then it bent down until its snout was about an inch away from my face. I could feel the air coming out of its nose as it sniffed me, inhaling my scent. After what felt like forever, it suddenly backed off again. After it took a few steps back, it crouched down, placing the girl on the ground in front of me. Then it got down on all four legs and gave me a last growl as if to say that I should leave these woods. Then, it ran back the way it came at such high speed that I was glad it wasn't chasing me. I looked at it, running away for a moment, before I heard the girl asking quietly whether the creature was gone. I replied with a yes, and asked her whether she was alright while helping her up. She replied yes as well. I noticed she had a few bruises on her face, I asked her where those came from. She told me that those were not from the creature, but from her abusive stepfather. Apparently, she had run away from home the day before to go to her uncle, who lives in our town. She stayed off the road to avoid her parents finding her by car, which is why she went through the woods. There, not long before my own encounter, she'd heard a growl coming from behind her. She saw this creature moving towards her on all fours. She told me she had heard that one should play dead, when being approached by a predator, and so she did just that. But before long, she felt herself being picked up and carried away by this creature. Since she didn't want to risk doing anything to upset the creature, she simply didn't move. I offered to drive her to her uncle's. She accepted and I brought her to my friends. I told them she was on her way to her uncle's and that I found her in the woods. But knowing they wouldn't believe the rest of the story, I didn't say anything about the creature. We drove her to her uncle's as promised, who took her in and thanked us for bringing her to him. After all was said and done, we decided to go camping a different time. I'm not sure why the creature didn't attack the girl or me, and instead simply brought her to me. Obviously, I'm glad it happened that way. Still, I don't know if I ever want to meet it again. Who knows whether it's still so benevolent when it's hungry. Wolfman in the Suburbs From Lucky 12 I live in the suburbs of Salt Lake City. My house is about 20 miles from the nearest forest or mountain. This happened one night. I woke up around 4am because my mouth was so dry. My room is on the second floor of my house, so I had to go downstairs to get a drink. When I got back upstairs, I got back in bed and began to fall back to sleep. A couple of minutes went by when suddenly the hair on my arms stood up. The first thing I did was look around the room to make sure that whatever was making my hair stand up like that wasn't in the room with me. I've had some weird things happen in my room, as well as the area outside my room. After making sure the coast was clear, I stood up and walked over to the blinds. It was then that I knew whatever was making me feel this way had to be outside. When I looked out, I saw a deer go running down the street outside my house. A couple of seconds after the deer ran by, I saw something else go running down the street after the deer. This creature was definitely what had set my brain off, 
The creature was covered in thick, dark fur. It had large, human-like hands with long claws instead of fingers. Its legs looked human, but sort of backwards. It also had a wolf-like head. It was tall, about two-thirds the height of the light post outside my window. It was also extremely fast. It covered the 150 feet of my street in what seemed to be a few seconds. After seeing that, I could not fall asleep, and for a while, I was a bit too scared to even look outside. I don't really believe in the paranormal, but I do like listening to such stories. I always look for a good explanation for everything. I'm starting to believe there are things that we haven't officially discovered yet. Later on after that night, my sister saw the same creature walking down the street. This confirms that I actually did see it, and that it wasn't just a dream. She gave the same description, except she actually saw its eyes. She described them as orangey-red. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Flesh pedestrian sighting in Northwest USA. From K. Salami. I think we all fell into weird research phases during quarantine. I know I did. I had such boredom I began to research Native American folklore. I've always had a vast appreciation for Native American culture and a large obsession with cryptids and horror. My boyfriend is Native American. He's taught me a lot about his culture, but I wanted to learn more about their horror stories. I stumbled upon one of the most common cryptids in Native American folklore, the Flesh Pedestrian. Some of you may not be familiar with this particular title for the creature. I suggest looking it up, but don't think too hard and long about it, and don't say its name out loud. This is what I was taught by my boyfriend. He also advised me not to look too deep into their history and to avoid obsessive reading about this specific creature. That didn't work. I couldn't stop listening to stories about it, reading about their origins, what makes them who rather than what they are. Either way, the story I came here to tell begins at night. I'd been lying in bed reading r slash no sleep when my boyfriend texted me. He asked if I wanted to go over to his brother's house. I responded, sure, why not? He and his friend drove back into town from the rural farmhouse to pick me up and grab a pizza for us. We laughed and joked on our way back to the farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Eventually, we made it to the road his brother lived on. We made the right-hand turn and the headlights drifted over the darkened cornfield illuminating it. But in the middle of the field stood a tall, pale figure hunched over its back to us. My heart sank. My boyfriend and I instantly knew what had found us. However, our friend did not. He began to exclaim at the sight of the being, holy crap, did you guys see that? Why aren't you reacting to that thing? At which point I told him very quickly and in a stern voice, listen, that thing you just saw, you've got to stop thinking about it, talking about it, and don't go looking for it in that field. We're to act like nothing happened. We're going into the barn, closing the door, eating and working on the truck. The barn doors are to stay closed, and we only open them if we know who's on the other side. He looked at me as though I had just spun my head backwards like the exorcist. What the heck are you even talking about? What's the big deal? He asked. All I could say to that was, please just listen to me and trust me on this. 
After the ground rules were laid down, the rest of the night goes on and we almost forget about what happened. Almost. A while later, after a couple of beers, I needed to use the restroom, and I wasn't too keen on doing it outside. So I asked my boyfriend to accompany me into the empty farmhouse so I could use the facilities. His brother was at work at the time and his brother's dog was at his grandparents' house about 20 minutes away. We walk up to the dark, silent house without incident. Quickly, I use the bathroom. When I was done, my boyfriend raided the fridge for anything worth eating. I wandered the empty, quiet bachelor pad. I looked through the kitchen window and I noticed a light bouncing around behind the barn about 10 yards into the farm field. Who or what the heck was out there? I freaked out, calling my friend who had been left in the barn. I see the light move up to his head as he answers the phone. He was out there with his phone light on, looking around. I demanded to know what the heck he was doing, considering the strict list of rules I'd given him after the incident in the car. Yeah, I know, but I swear I could have seen Ripley in the field. Ripley is the name of my boyfriend's brother's dog that wasn't supposed to be home. The dog was most assuredly with her grandparents 20 minutes away from home. All of this was known by the friend. In complete awe, I told him to head back to the barn. We then met at the entrance and walked back in together. I asked what the heck he was doing. He explained, I went outside to use the bathroom, and as I was doing so, I saw something moving around in the field. I couldn't help but think it was Ripley, and I felt the need to go after her and get her. But after you called, it was like I snapped out of a trance, realizing Ripley wasn't here. But I already knew that before I even went to the bathroom. It was so strange. At this point, my boyfriend and I are darn near in hysterics. We peeled out of the driveway so darn fast. As we left, I told our friend to just forget about what happened and to not bring it up again tonight. When we were gone and safe, I eventually explained to him that I think he had been lured out to the field by a flesh pedestrian, which had intended to separate him from us using the illusion of the dog our friend was familiar with. Our friend, if he had gotten far enough away from us, it would have attacked him. Our friend thought I was completely insane. However, this still chills me to the bone. I knew the consequences of researching these creatures. I'd been reading and listening to stories of those who had been in the presence of them for days at that point. I can confidently say that nothing good can come of it. Beware of these creatures, for if I hadn't educated myself, I'm sure my friend could have been prey that night. Our next story today is an update to a previous story from almost a year ago. So to make sure everything makes sense, I'm going to go ahead and add the original story here. Then after that, I'll go ahead and read the update. Enjoy. Hayfield Stalker From Crepuscular Creature It was around the beginning of October of 2020 when I first saw it. I was sitting outside with the cats. I live on a small farm in West Michigan, and my uncle had planted a new hayfield that summer. We'd seen plenty of coyote, a bobcat or two, and even a few cougars, but nothing like this. As I was sitting outside with the cats, my eyes wandered to the cows in the pasture, who were acting strange. They were huddled in a protective circle with the younger ones in the middle, as if they sensed a danger or a storm coming. I was about to go in the house and tell my grandma, but that's when I saw it. This creature was stalking across the new hayfield. Its body and stride reminded me of a coyote, but it had an oddly long tail and small big cat-like ears. I was confused by the build of it, but what confused me more was the coloration. This creature was pure black. I instantly thought it was melanistic, which is basically the opposite of albinism. The animal stalked to one end of the hayfield before turning and walking back to the other, disappearing in the tall grass before reappearing a short time later and doing the same thing over and over again. It just continued to pace as I watched it, adding to the confusion of it all. Now I did find an odd paw print in the driveway, which leads to the new hayfield near the beginning of spring. It looked like a cougar paw print, 
but the shape was off and the claws were visible and looked similar to a canine's. This paw print showed qualities of a feline and canine, which was very confusing since a crossbreed between the two was impossible. When the creature didn't reappear after heading into the tall grass at the side of the field for the final time, I went inside and told my grandma, who didn't think much of it unless it was posing a threat to us or our animals. I saw the creature pacing back and forth every few nights. It happened so often the cows got used to it and no longer huddled together. I think my grandma saw it one night because I wasn't allowed to go outside at night anymore, which bummed me out. I did try and get a picture of it one night, but my phone camera doesn't zoom in that much, and all the pictures were blurry, causing the creature to look like a blurry black dot against a chaotic green background. I'm unsure of what it is still, but I'm not willing to go out there and find out. Update. It came back. From Crepuscular Creature. You may recall the previous story I submitted about the creature in the hayfield. Well, it had disappeared for some time, and nothing else came of the situation, so I thought it left for good, or maybe it was even killed by someone during hunting season or in defense of livestock. I was clearly wrong. It was a cool morning in the early spring of 2022. The sun hadn't fully risen yet, the cows were still lying down, and dew was thick underfoot. I exited the front door with the intent of checking the live traps I'd set to catch the raccoons, who had been killing our chickens and ducks, taking the eggs. But my intent changed rather quickly. As I walked towards the duck and chicken pens, movement from inside one of them caught my eye. I froze up at first. Now, I'm one of the more paranoid types of people, so I was already mentally panicking. What if it was a raccoon? What if it was a weasel? My thoughts spiraled out of control as I tried to think up a plan to go grab the pellet gun and get back to the duck and chicken pens without the critter noticing me. This made me unaware of the true situation at hand. When I finally snapped back to reality, I was just about to turn and go back to the house, but a low growl made me pause once more. I turned my head to look back towards the chicken pens. My eyes widened as I saw a large silhouette sneaking along the side of the pens. I had my phone with me to use the flashlight, so I did the smartest thing ever and pointed my light right at the animal, hoping to blind it. I had originally expected to see a coyote, or possibly a bobcat, but what stood squinting in the beam of my flashlight was neither of those critters nor any other native one. No, this creature had longish, dusty gray-brown fur covering its body, with a small patch of lighter gray painting its chest, and its overall physique reminded me of a big cat. But something was terribly off. As my eyes trailed over this thing, I noticed it had a long muzzle, paws, and amberish green eyes like a wolf. Yet it had rounded ears and a long tail like a cougar or snow leopard. In the few moments I got to look at it, I saw just how skinny it was, yet muscles still filled out its slim frame. It was clearly an apex predator in the animal world, so I was right to have been paranoid. I was still frozen then, not knowing what to do, faced with this cougar-wolf hybrid thing. Luckily, God must have been on my side. I heard the front door open, and my grandma yelled at our dog, Sunny D, to go to the bathroom. Upon hearing and eventually seeing Sunny D, this strange animal laid its ears back and fled towards the old barn, then out into the pasture, only disappearing from my sight when it reached the hayfield. I was completely shaken, to say the least, both confused and terrified at what I'd just seen and experienced. Now, Sunny D is an older dog so she can't see or hear very well. But she came running towards me when she realized I was outside, her tail wagging like crazy. I let out the breath I didn't even know I was holding in, and I happily pet the dog, relieved that the thing left us alone and chose to run off instead of fight, as that could have been a bloody ending. I later told this story to my grandma, which got me banned from checking the live traps before school or staying outside too late but I wasn't too disappointed. I still don't know what that creature was, 
but I do still see it every now and then, stalking the hayfields, up in the trees, or basking in a small patch of sun on the fence row. It also seems to know where I set up trail cams, or it just never uses the routes I put them on, as I haven't been able to catch a picture of it, unless the dark tail tip in the corner of a picture I got a few weeks ago belonged to it. Luckily, none of our animals have been harmed by this thing, so I'm not sure if it's actually a danger or not, though I can guess it's because of the way it acted towards me. I dread the day it hurts or possibly kills someone or something, as it will most likely be one of our farm animals, family members, or family friends. I just pray that the next person to encounter it is as lucky as I was. Not many people believe me about this creature, but I don't mind. It's not every day you come across something like that, something you can't find any explanation for. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thunderbird in Oklahoma Farmland From Anonymous I am a resident of southern Oklahoma, and I live far out in the countryside where farmland is most of all there is around. I have lived here from when I was ten, when my parents moved from the big city life of New York out to the Great Plains for a drastic change of scenery. Since the move, they've been happier and generally more agreeable in all aspects of life, Sometimes the hustle of the city isn't for everyone. For those who don't know, Oklahoma is a very hot and dry place for most of the year. It can get brutally cold in the winter, and the rains are few and far between. On the rare occasion that a storm does roll in, they're quite something to behold. The landscape being mostly flat and far-reaching lends to being able to see massive storms slithering in across the sky. Claps of thunder rumble the pebbles on the gravel road, and bolts of lightning that are like fireworks on a blank canvas. Ever since I can remember, this has been my favorite kind of weather, until one day that I will never forget. My younger brother Sam and I were taking a weekend hike in southeastern Oklahoma, where the region is most forested, around the Washita Mountains area if you're familiar with that location. We're both big fans of the outdoors, taking advantage of the beauty that nature has to offer. The Americas have such a vast amount of deferring ecosystems within them, and we enjoy exploring them all at our leisure. At the time, I was 29, my brother was 21 years old, and while the age gap between us was large, we still managed to get along just fine. We weren't without our arguments on our previous trips, but these tend to level out as we both aged. The outdoors have always bonded our family, and we all seem to relax more once we actually get out on the trails. It's almost like taking a solo trip, but just having another body with you in case something goes wrong. This area of southeast Oklahoma is more heavily forested, full of hilly areas that eventually became the Washita Mountains. This region gets much more rain and is packed with lush foliage. It also has more elaborate wildlife than we're used to out in the plains. Pine and oak trees are the most populous in this area and when they grow undisturbed, they get huge and are magnificent in all their glory. All of this being a welcomed change from the flat prairie. We felt like being in a different world while we drove out east into the woods. After a late start from our B&B, Sam and I were making our way up the rear end of one of the vistas where we had planned to camp overnight. We'd imagined a stunning view would be waiting for us at the top. However, we were beginning to lose daylight and we could feel the winds beginning to change. The breeze was always a welcome relief, but it grew stronger and stronger as we neared the top of the hill. 
As the wind blew, I could begin to smell the air changing to that recognizable scent and that texture you feel before a storm is about to happen. This paired with the clouds that became darker and more threatening was a sure sign that we were running out of time. Looks like rain, I said to Sam, who was walking ahead of me. You've got to be kidding me, he turned and said with a sigh. I shrugged my shoulders at him in an effort to sympathize with his frustration. We're almost at the top of the ridge, and we still have to set up our tent before it pours. He spoke again, resting his back against one of the oak trees. I know, I spoke again. The weather looked completely clear for the day. Maybe this will pass us by, but we should at least pick up our pace if we want to get a good view. Our hiking relationship has always worked quite well. Sam's always been in charge of navigation and timekeeping, and I was more the practical type. I always did my research on the region for what kinds of things were edible, what the conditions were like, and generally reading the signs that nature was giving in the moment. After my encouragement, Sam nodded, and we pressed on to climb the ridge. With every passing moment, the clouds became darker and the air became heavier. I knew we didn't have much time before we got soaked, so I started taking even bigger strides, walking with my weight held forward in an effort to quicken our pace. We would normally take a break by this point, but we wasted no time in trying to reach the top, while our backpacks grew heavier with each step we took. Finally, after what seemed like days of speed walking, we began to see more sky opening up on the horizon as we came up on the vista. The view was literally breathtaking as we both gasped for air that the atmosphere tried to squeeze from us. The clouds above were enormous and full of water, which threatened to drop on us at any moment. We were able to see the tops of other hills and the lowest points in the valleys, just like something from a storybook. Filled with exhilaration and excitement, I neared closer to the edge, trying to look farther down the mountainside. Suddenly, a strong gust of wind blew me over. I fell to the ground in an effort to stay away from the edge of the cliff. As I felt powerless and scared, my brother laughed at me. My expression was one of shock while I sat on the ground. As if it were a climax to our hard trek, a thick bolt of lightning shot out from the clouds, followed by a roll of thunder that rattled in our chests. We looked at each other, knowing what had to come next. Without a word, we went to work on setting up our tent and pulling out our equipment from the backpacks. The wind was whipping through the trees now, and we could hear the birds making their last songs as the storm rolled in. With the tent taking shape and pulling out various parts from my backpack, I gave another look outward from the cliffside to the skies, which were presenting a gorgeous picture of nature's power embodied by the storm. The sun was beginning to set, and the storm dragging across the sky turned the world into a beautiful stone gray mixed with deep red and burgundy tones, like chalk on a brick wall. Out from the clouds, my eyes focused on a shape that emerged on the wind of the storm. Illuminated by the intermittent flashes of lightning, the shape of a bird became clear as it rode the waves of the sky. If you've ever seen a large bird in flight, you know how they can give the illusion of not moving while they beat their wings and stay afloat in the sky. Their mass makes them seem motionless, and while they can move a great distance, they appear to be stationary in midair. That was not the case for this bird. I watched the jet-black bird weave its way through the sky, turning and diving in and out of the huge cloud formations, disappearing from view for a moment and then coming back into my line of sight. It seemed to glide across the sky with the speed of a torpedo and the grace of an angel, beating its wings and falling through the covers of the storm. It demonstrated its prowess with ease. It managed all kinds of epic maneuvers, as if it were performing for me. My eyes darted back and forth across the stage as it danced before me, captivating its audience and holding strong against the whipping winds. Admiring this bird and its freeness in the sky, I watched with awe as it made its last rounds about the kingdom of the sky and disappeared behind a thick cloud just as a bolt of lightning came crashing down. I was speechless. I felt humbled by such a creature. I've never seen a bird move like that on any previous hike or even in the wildest nature documentaries. Its movements seemed to have had no purpose, none that I could seem to understand. I thought about what exactly it was doing or where it was going. 
My thoughts instantly went to some of the best boxers or wrestlers' movements and how they move about their surroundings in an effort to recharge their energy for their performance. Having no frame of reference other than clouds, I had no idea to the true size of the bird, and with how fast it was moving, I figured it wasn't very big. Hey, you gonna help finish or what? Sam said, drawing me out of my trance. I'd stopped setting up and being totally transfixed by the bird, I'd paused in mid-zipper opening of the tent's front entrance. We finished the last steps and staked the tent into the ground as the wind was blowing quite fiercely now. The thunder calmly rumbled as it neared our camp. We were sitting outside the door, watching the last flecks of light sink below the horizon. No stars could be seen as the veil of the storm covered the night sky, the occasional lightning strike giving us our view of the surroundings as darkness set in. I watched with bated breath, hoping for the return of the black bird to give me another performance, but it never circled back a second time. Not long after dark, the raindrops could be heard on the roof of our tent as Sam and I munched on granola bars. The heavy atmosphere lifting and the air getting easier to stomach with each breath, we soon relaxed while the storm gave way to our security of the night. There's something naturally human about the rain putting us to sleep, either the white noise or the rumbling of thunder. The sleep you get camping in a rainstorm is the best sleep you can get anywhere, in my opinion. The light from our battery-powered lamps and the lightning strikes overhead allowed us to see with limited range within the tent. Quieting down, we listened to the rain while we wrapped up in our sleeping bags and began to drift off to sleep. At some point during the night, raindrops still pattering above, I felt this feeling crawl up from my stomach, that nagging sensation from my psyche that something is watching me. My eyes opened wide from a dead sleep, and I quickly took note of my surroundings. The tent lamps had powered off. Sam was sound asleep a few feet away from me. The lightning struck all around us furiously, but it was met with no thunder crashes to match them. This tense feeling littered the air as you could hear the sizzle of electricity slicing through the night. The shadows of the trees surrounding us were like sleeping giants, moving and bending in the wake of the wind like they were taking deep breaths. It felt as if the majestic scenery from earlier had turned into something more sinister with the arrival of the storm. I'm not afraid of the dark. I never have been. I am afraid of getting caught unaware and being the last to know about something dangerous. In an effort to prove this to myself, I sat up in the tent and took the sleeping bag off my body. Trying to find the source of this familiar feeling, I moved closer to the opening of the tent, which was now zipped up tight. We'd position the tent with the opening facing the edge of the cliff so that we'd be met with a stunning view in the morning. As I unzipped the tent's door, I was met with an equally bewildering sight. The cold night air hit my face. Raindrops cascaded down the door of the tent as I peered out into the stormy night. Fierce wind blew falling rain into my eyes, obscuring my view somewhat. Lightning scattered across the sky. The sky was black, apart from the cloudy forms that were illuminated by the lightning bolts. These fleeting moments of light revealed to me an enormous shape darting across the sky. At first, I thought it was a weather balloon or someone's tent blowing around in the sky, but as I watched on while the storm illuminated the shape, it became clear to me this was no inanimate object adrift in the sky. My heart became a pit in my stomach as I soon made out the object. The way it moved was planned, predatory, and primal. The sound of beating massive wings echoed upon the wind. I began to make out the shape better and I noticed it was moving closer and closer to the ridge we camped on. Then I realized its features were all too familiar. Feathers as dark as the night, even though they shimmered in the rain. Massive curled talons were tucked underneath its torpedo-like body, a head like that of a sickly crow, its hooked beak like that of a vulture. It moved with calculated efforts, harnessing the power of the storm, riding the wind like a surfer on a tidal wave. Making one final swoop into the sky, the creature released a screeching bellow, triggering a massive thunderclap and echoing through the night. I found myself in a horrible state of paralysis. This encounter shook me to the very fibers of my being. Behind me, Sam awoke with a gasp. He sat straight up in the tent, 
He soon scrambled over to the opening as well and caught sight of the avian giant. Not a word was shared between us as we looked out into the night. The thunderbird was even closer now, circling our tent like a falcon stalks a mouse. It began to dive down to the ridge then while it tucked its wings close to its body. It felt as if time slowed down. Its head rose, the thunderbird's body becoming horizontal in midair, talons exposed like powerful meat hooks. Its wings stretched out like a crucifix, head aimed straight at our tent. Sam broke from his trance, grabbing the back of my shirt collar and pulling me away from the tent door, using his whole body weight to move me. I fell back to the rear of the tent as the shape of the bird began to fill the view of the door. With a sickening sound of tearing cloth, the entrance of the tent began to lift off the ground. The solid bottom of our enclosure became loose, the stakes popping out of the wet ground. The world shifted as we felt gravity sidestep us, above becoming where below should have been. We fell on top of each other in the side of the tent. We were airborne. Feeling utterly powerless, we screamed, only to be met by more furious giant wing flaps and content grunting of the Thunderbird. I caught a glimpse of Sam's eyes, and I saw something I'll never forget. The unmistakable look of defeat, sadness, fear. I'm sure the same was reflected in my own expression. Suddenly, our airborne tent was met with a crash to the side. We'd smacked against something mid-flight. Sam and I were tussled about even more in the moving sack as our rough flight was made even more rough. Another horrible screech was heard from the Thunderbird at a deafening volume. Then from afar, a similar screech rang out through the air. Another of the creatures. The wall of the tent was like a shadow puppet show. These shadows revealed not one, but two massive flying birds. Violent screeches and shrieks surrounded us. Suddenly claws ripped into the tent, and with that we could feel ourselves plummeting our weight shifting from our stomachs to our throats, like an elevator dropping down too fast. Sam and I screamed. We could feel the tent scraping against tree branches now. With one final strike, our tent collided with the low-hanging branch of a tree, and our party came to a grinding halt. The sounds of thunder became distant. The birds above continued on through the air. We screamed again, this time in pain as the branches poked through the tent, they had ripped cloth and flesh. The two of us then fell through the tent. We collided with more branches before finally landing on the wet ground and mud. Sam lay a few feet from me, and I reached out my hand to grab his. Breathing heavy, we turned to see what had become of the two birds. They soared through the sky, and with every contact against each other, they clawed and speared one another. Their forms began to blur together as my eyes became heavy. The Thunderbird's calls rattled in my head along with the raging rolls of thunder, but both became more faint as they flew farther into the night and as I drifted away. When I woke up, I was in a hospital. Bright lights burned my eyes. I felt a searing pain course through my ribs as I took each breath, a strong throbbing in my head. I looked down, seeing tubes and hoses going into me. There was a remote near my hand, so I pushed the biggest button on it. Nurses soon came to my room. After a lengthy conversation with them, they explained that Sam and I were found at the base of a tree covered in mud. Someone driving on the main road farther down the mountain found pieces of our tent strewn about the trees. They eventually came upon us. They then called the police and paramedics. We'd been carried five miles downhill from our original campsite by severe storm conditions. I began to spout ravings about thunderbirds, telling the nurse about the storm, the flight, and the drop. I received only looks of confusion and laughter. They told me, while I shared the same story as my brother, we both suffered injuries from the wind blowing our tent into the tree, that we were both delusional due to our shaken mental state. I'd never been so angry in all my life, treated like some child who was afraid of the dark. I'd almost died because of a real massive bird of prey that can pick two fully grown men out of a bolted down tent and carry them for miles in a thunderstorm. I mean, there was not just one of these creatures, but two, maybe more out there. Thankfully, I only suffered a large gash to the head and some bruised ribs. Sam had a dislocated shoulder and sprained ankle. 
We were beaten, but alive. This did stop us from camping together for nearly six years, until after the birth of my first child. These days, we're both older, both with kids. We don't rant and rave about the night we nearly died. It just remains a bedtime story for our sons and daughters to tell on rainy nights. We take family camping trips together, but no place so remote and wild as we did in our youth. A warning to those going camping in the Americas. Mother Nature is beautiful, stunning, and breathtakingly gorgeous. She's also deadly, mysterious, and secretive. There are things we still don't know about our own planet and the creatures that live here, so it's always best to treat your surroundings with respect. I won't discourage the exploration and enjoyment of the wilderness, but I will caution you. Take every precaution and preparation you can when going into new territory, and always take a second person with you. Had it not been for Sam that night, I don't know that I would have been here to recount the story. Be wary of camping in the Washita Mountains of Oklahoma, especially when a storm is beginning to brew. Thank you for listening to another unsettling episode of Unexplained Encounters. You can send us your story to have it narrated on the show at darkstories.org. Unexplained Encounters is an EerieCast original series. You can find other horror-themed podcasts at EerieCast.com, such as Redwood Bureau, a fictional anthology series, Freaky Folklore, a documentary-style series about myths and cryptids around the world, Destination Terror, a show about the most haunted places, and Tales from the Break Room, another show I host all about the scary things that happen to people at work. Again, that's EerieCast.com. By the way, if you want fewer annoying ads and you want to support what we do, consider going to EerieCast.com plus to sign up for EerieCast Plus. That unlocks all our podcasts with all but host red ads removed. Until next time, stay safe out there and stay creepy because this world is a strange one.